Well, folks, I want to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 29. Uh, Jeremiah, chapter 29. Again, I bring you greetings from our, our church in Toronto. And I just finished our morning service about an hour ago. And uh, so here we are at the time difference to have your service now this morning. Jeremiah 29, I want to read from verse 10 down to verse 15. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. May God bless his word to us today. Let's ask for his blessing in prayer. Father, <clears throat> come very near to us. Encourage our hearts. Open the truth of God to every heart. And I pray that we would know your presence and blessing in this time together. I pray for the help of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. The context of Jeremiah 29 is that of Israel in captivity in the land of Babylon. They had been sent there by God, taken into captivity because of their idolatry, because of their disobedience of the Lord, and the fact that they had refused his word. They had ignored his prophets. They had ignored the priests and the teaching of the scribes. And the Lord was patient with them. He endured them for a long time. But he told them, if you do not repent, if you do not turn from your ways, you will be taken into captivity in your discipline. Well, that time had nearly come to an end. And he tells them in verse 10 that the 70 years had been accomplished or about to be accomplished. And when Daniel the prophet, who was in Babylon at the time, when he read Jeremiah's prophecy, and he realized that the date setting from the time of captivity had now come near to conclusion. And so Daniel set himself in Babylon to pray earnestly and to prepare the captives that were in Babylon for the time that they would be taken back to their native land. And here the Lord gives a great promise to his people, a promise to encourage them while they're in captivity that he will bring them back. He will respond to them. 
And I wanted to encourage your heart today that as you pursue God, I want to encourage you to seriously consider pursuing God. You know, it's true in our Christian life. We can become a bit flabby. We can become a bit fat. We can become a bit careless. We can go through the motions sometimes of church and of gathering and of our daily devotions. And it's good for us to come at times to review where we are with the Lord and to renew our commitment unto him. It's a good thing for us to do this at the beginning of the year. It's a good thing to do this at the beginning of the month, at the week. It's a good thing for us to do this at the beginning of every single day, that we would afresh give ourselves to the Lord and seek his face, because God makes a very, very important promise to us that as we seek him, he will be found of us. We are starting tomorrow in our own congregation here, a week of prayer. It's customary for us every January, the last full week, to commit this time to God and seek his face and pour out our souls to him and pray for the much-needed blessing upon our own lives personally, upon our congregation, upon the ministries that we have been entrusted with, and that we would know mighty awakening of God's power and spirit, and he would preserve and help our land, for we are in great need in our land. When Jeremiah, the prophet, who had to preach in a very difficult time, he told the people, first of all, that they would be taken into captivity. He told them when they were in captivity that they were there because of their sin. And he told them it would not be a short time. Other prophets came who were false prophets, and they said, not so. We will not go into captivity, first of all. And when they were in there, it will be a short time. Well, they were liars and deceivers. And God said, if they speak not according to my word, it's because there is no light in them. And we are called in every generation to be faithful servants of the Most High God. And Christians, we are called to that today. And preachers are called to that, to have a voice that is true to God's word, a voice that is right, a voice that will be a clarion call, a voice that will determine very specifically this is the way, walk ye in it, according to God's holy word. And I'm thankful to be a part of a denomination and a church that is holding faithfully to God's holy and precious word. That we are standing upon God's written revelation. We're standing upon this word because we know it is God's truth to our hearts. And we don't want to be compromisers. We don't want to be going away in changing the word of God. We don't want to be those who are, well, trying to make the word of the Lord say something that it doesn't say. We want to be faithful to its teaching, to its doctrine, to its application, to its instruction and admonition, because we believe in the words of 1 Timothy 3 and 16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Yes, we believe the Bible. We believe the promises of God's word. And we have these very, very special promises that are given to us. Now, the words that we have, and I want to draw your attention to verse 13 of Jeremiah 29. It says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. Believer today, I pray that this word will be a word for every single heart, my own included. I want to seek the Lord with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind and with all my might. And whereas these verses could be applied to an unbelieving person to seek the Lord with all their heart, and that is a good application, isn't it? And let me say that if someone is listening today, either in the church or you're online, and you are not a born-again follower of Christ, then I exhort you today, it is time to seek the Lord. It is time to call upon Him. It is time to repent of your sins. The very first message that Jesus Christ preached when He began His ministry was this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Have you repented of your sin? Have you called upon Him to be your Savior? I pray, my dear friends, that you would not delay, that if God has been dealing with your heart, maybe you're a young person, and you've heard the gospel message before, but you have not called on him. I pray that today you would repent of your sin and say, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me, and you would come into my heart, and you would change my life, and you would receive me to yourself. And I can tell you that at the sound of your voice, of your prayer, that the Lord has promised he will hear, he will forgive, he will heal, he will save, and you will know the joy of full and complete and full salvation. Don't delay, friend. But I think this is also a word here for the backslider. And that, of course, applies to those who have professed faith in Jesus but for some reasons, you have drifted away from God. Today, you're not where you used to be. You're not where you were when you first were converted to Christ. Some things have happened in your life, maybe. You become cold. You stop praying. You stop reading your Bible. And when that happens, we backslide. And there are different degrees of backsliding. Some might be very beginning, elementary, when we've just become a bit cold and away from the Lord. Well, that's backsliding. And yet there are others who have been away from God for years. So much so, if that's you, you may even wonder if you're saved. You may even wonder if you're truly born again of God's Spirit. Well, my dear friend, I can tell you, if you have invited Christ into your heart, if you, if you say today you love the Lord, even though you're cold in heart, then indeed you are a follower of Christ. But it's time to come back. It's time to get right with the Lord. It's time to follow the words that we find here in verse 13. And ye shall seek me and find me 
when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Have you drifted away? Are you not saved? Then it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to call upon him, and that you will know his blessing and his power in your life. But I want to address my attention in this message today to those of you who are going on with God, those of you who are walking with the Lord in fellowship, in prayer, in reading your scripture, but you also desire that you want to come closer to God. You want to know his blessing. You want to pursue him, earnestly pursue him. Well, I would say to you today that this is a verse of scripture, a promise for your heart. I know that's my desire in my own soul. I desire that. I, I, I want to follow the Lord with all my, my being. I, I want all my days, whatever the Lord gives me, whatever's left of my life. I want to honor my God. I want Christ to be glorified through my life. I want to live for him. Now, sometimes people think that pastors are uh, some higher spiritual beings than the rest of people in the church. No, not at all. We're just people whom God has called out to do a certain work. And uh, one thing I do know is that the devil's attack is centered upon pastors because he's trying to make us stumble and fall. Because no doubt when a pastor goes down to some sin, some compromise, well, then it affects many more people. But we are all just ordinary characters. Uh, we're all just like you. And we're all together saved by God's grace, justified by his free and, and loving mercy. And uh, I am not more justified than you and you no more than me. But we are before God are equal. And so we want to serve him. And if that's the desire of your heart today, then you make Jeremiah 29 and verse 13 a text for your life. A motto text to pray over and that you would know his mighty blessing upon you. And ye shall seek me, God says, and ye shall find me, and ye shall search for me with all your heart. I, I want to share with you in the first place today that this is the evidence of a truly redeemed heart. The evidence of a truly redeemed heart. You shall seek me, God is saying. Yes, believer, if you're truly saved, then you're a person of prayer. Oh, you might find you're not as faithful in the prayer time as you would like yourself to be. But if you're a true born-again believer, you know what it is to pray unto God. And the Lord says here, you shall seek me. And the seeking of God, it's an evidence that you are saved by his grace. And that tells me that there is a desire. There's a desire in your heart. There was a time in your life before you were saved when you had no thought about God, really, and you had no thought about church. It was the farthest thing from your mind. Coming to a prayer meeting, how boring would that be? You know, spending time sitting with other people for an hour and a half in a church service, no, that was not for you. But you're different now. You're changed. Because God's grace has gripped your heart. And there is an evidence inside you that you are seeking the Lord. There's a desire that you 
You want to go on with the Lord. Robert Murray McShane, he wrote a hymn, and one of the verses says this, I once was a stranger to grace and to God. I knew not my danger and felt not my load. Though friends spoke in rapture of Christ on the tree, Jehovah said, can you, was nothing to me. And in that hymn, McShane is writing about Jehovah said, can you, the Lord, <coughs> righteousness. But at one time, the Lord meant nothing to him, as he meant nothing to us. Not so today, though. Before, there was the love of party, the love of friends, the love of pleasure, the love of entertainment. God was not on the radar at all. Why? Well, because we had a carnal mind, and we were at enmity or hatred against God. The natural man, what we were, we did not seek the things of the Lord. They were foolishness unto us. We did not want them. So why is this desire in us now to seek the Lord? I'll tell you, the desire is there, brother and sister, because of divine grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. William Newell wrote this hymn at Calvary. He said, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Yes, this desire to seek God comes from the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's not by our might. It's not by our power. It's not by our spirit. But it's by the Spirit of the Lord, saith the Lord of hosts. Believer, do you want the Lord's presence and power in your life? What are you doing to secure this blessing? Yes, it's your desire. And we know also it's a delight for us to seek the Lord. Yet there is more than just a desire to seek the Lord in our temporal things, in our common things. No, we want to know more of him. We want to delight in our God because there is a real, living, vital, spiritual interest in us. But we also know that this must be cultivated. We must water the seed. We must water the plant, the spiritual plant and root that's in us in order for it to grow. Yeah, there are times that we might enjoy a, a very calorie-rich dessert, and once in a while it's not going to hurt you, unless you're a, a diabetic and you have to steer clear of it then. But at the same time, if you made your whole diet to do with desserts, well, you would be a sickly person because you would not be getting the nutrition that is necessary. But the delight of having a healthy, nutritious, balanced diet, that once you get accustomed to that and you know it's good for you, then you desire it, you want it. And what about, how does it work spiritually? Well, David said, I joyed when to the house of God go up, they said to me. He said, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, because the law of God is joy and peace and rejoicing. And yes, dear brother and sister, 
when we have a desire to fellowship with God and to know him more, and there is a real delight in the things of God, well, we are going to know the Lord's presence with us. Thy testimonies, David said, have I taken as an heritage forever. They are the rejoicing of my heart. To seek after God is to seek after his word. And when we take God's truth into our lives and we make it the chart and compass, then we're not going to stray from that path. Will storms come? Yes, they will. Will they be able to keep us from God? No, they will not. And as we walk by faith, and as we journey through this life by faith, we keep our eyes fastened upon the Savior. O pilgrim bound for the heavenly land, <coughs> never lose sight of Jesus. When we delight in God, his word will bring rejoicing to our hearts, and we will not just find joy in the effect of the word, but in the word itself. It is the rejoy and rejoicing of our heart. Sometimes, is there not also the, the disappointment that we have with ourselves when we disappoint the Lord? And we allow something to come between us and God, and it kind of pours a bucket of water on the candle and the fire of our zeal for the Lord? No, friends, let's be very careful that we do not grieve the Spirit of God by our wandering, by our rejection, by our sinful disobedience. We don't want to find ourselves away from God. We want to find ourselves very close to Him. And in this, we must be honest with ourselves and not try to hide our sin, like when we disobey the Lord and do something that grieves His Spirit, just try to ignore it and sweep it under the carpet. No, we must confess our sin. And the Lord has promised that he is faithful if we confess our sins. He is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our iniquity. When we acknowledge some sin in our life, it immediately quells the desire for God. It immediately crushes and, and stamps out anything that we are trying to do for Christ. Now, we have to confess it and forsake it and put it beneath the blood, and then press on and serve the Lord. Let me point out to you and, and draw to you secondly the evidence of a consecrated life. What is the evidence? We'll come back to our text again in verse 13. And ye shall seek me when ye search for me with all your heart when you search for me with all your heart this is consecration this is devotion unto god john calvin said god will not be entreated except he is sought with the whole heart that is with sincerity so there is no reason for us to wonder that his ears are often closed to our prayers because we only pretend to seek him and that we are endued with no sincerity appears from our life. That's a pretty sharp word 
by Mr. Calvin. And he was not pulling any punches. He wasn't hedging around at all. He made it very clear. If we tamper with sin, if we have no real heart for God, if we're going through the motions of it, well, then don't be surprised when you don't have any real heart for God. Don't be surprised when prayers are not answered. Don't be surprised when we're just seen going through the motions of it. No, the evidence of a consecrated life is that we will search for the Lord with all our hearts. So you ask yourself a question, is there such a thing as a half-hearted Christian or a half-hearted devotion? Sadly, there is. And it's a shame and a dishonor to the person of Christ, but it is a reality. We need to look deeply into our own hearts. And when we look there, we'll see a lot of evidence that that's about what it is. Now, I don't mean to drive you down, but it's a good thing for us, believer, to look into the mirror and to be honest with ourselves. And then as a result of that, not wallow in our own mire, but rather to look to Christ and to rejoice in him and to be thankful for his good mercies that are open to us and to his people. No Christian intends to serve God with half a heart. That's not the way it starts out. But sometimes with complacency, maybe carelessness, maybe just being on the road a long time and going through the motions of your Christian experience, sometimes that's a problem. Well, we don't want to devalue the currency of our faith and to plunge our testimony into the red. Let's not be careless about things of God. Let us not be carnal in the things of the world, but rather to set ourselves apart and to be separated unto holiness. <clears throat> Israel and Judah did not plan to go into captivity. They just thought it would never happen to them. But one day they found themselves in that place. The consequences of sin are relegated to a compartment of unreality in, in the lives of many Christians. Blindness that has resulted from continual willful rejection of his warnings. What is it to seek the Lord then with all our heart? What does that mean? It means to seek God earnestly. James 5.16 The effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Psalm 42 verse 4 When I remember these things, I pour out my soul, David said, in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. There was an earnestness of God's things. In Psalm 62, verse 8, Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him, for God is a refuge unto us. And so, to seek God with all our heart is to seek earnestly, and it's to seek him honestly. We all know what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is a play actor, someone who speaks out of both sides of their mouth. But hypocrisy is no place in seeking God. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. 
O God, thou wilt not despise, David said. Yes, we must come to the Lord openly and honestly and earnestly because God sees us. He knows everything about us. He knows our thoughts, afar off, actually, before we think them. He knows those secret, hidden things. He knows when we are trying to be real. He knows when we're trying to be phony. And so, is it not time, dear brother and sister, that we would earnestly and lovingly and honestly and diligently seek our God, that we might walk with him in a manner and in a way that is pleasing. Whatever we must do, and however you gather the fragments of time that God has given you, and discipline your life with time management as a disciplined disciple of Christ, well, we must build our spiritual house and God has called us to be the constructors of that. He has told us, build your own faith. Build up yourself in your most holy faith. For it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What happens when we have a delay in God answering our prayers? So let's supposing we have we can say, well, we seek the Lord, we keep seeking the Lord, but we don't seem to see an answer. Well, friend, now is not the time to give up. When you don't see what you think are the evident results of your seeking, well, come back to the Lord again and plead his promises. Plead the promises, and by grace you want to know what he is going to do and how he is going to answer and let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need that's our great need we come in jesus name that means and i, I want to emphasize this to you we come and we must pray in jesus name don't just offer your prayers willy-nilly because when we come to pray in Jesus' name, we are praying on the ground of his merit, on the ground of his sacrifice, on the ground that bears warrant with God. And that's why we are to pray. Oh, I don't mean just carelessly. Oh, yeah, Lord bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't mean just to put it as a tag on the end of your praying. That's no use. No, we are to pray on the ground in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all honor and respect and due reverence to him, and never to take the Lord's name lightly. No, we must pray, bringing to God the value and the virtue and the victory that there is in Calvary and in the resurrection of Christ. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel as he turned his heart to God and he was praying for rain. He had to pray seven times. You could imagine him coming to the fifth time and the guy, his servant coming back, saying, yep, no clouds yet. There's no, no evidence yet. Elijah could have said, my, what's going on here? And he could have given up. And if he had of praying up to the sixth time until the seventh time. And he kept on. He persevered in prayer and he sought God with all his heart. And when we come to the Lord, we do so not with great flamboyancy, 
not with thinking we have to make doctrinal words or statements. No, brother and sister, seeking the Lord is with your heart. It's seeking the Lord reverently, not being harsh or careless or casual. It's coming reverently to God, but it's also coming with an open heart. Oh, and what do we have here in this text? We have the evidence of God responding and answering. Look what it says in verse 14. And he says, I will be found of you, saith the Lord. Why? God is taking the witness stand here. And the Lord is saying, I'm making you a promise. I am saying to you, you seek me and with all your heart, and I will be found of you. This is a very, very gracious indication of God's loving kindness and mercy to us. Not only in the initial revelation of God's Holy Spirit coming to us in salvation, but this is a blessed extension of that. He has promised to hear our prayer. The Lord never mocks his people. He is not playing a game with us, some kind of a cruel game where he makes us call, but he never intends to answer. That's the way politicians are, but that's not the way the Lord is. No, friend, let us draw near unto him with a true heart in full assurance of faith, nothing wavering, for as we seek him, he will be found of us. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I pray that this promise, this word, will be written upon every heart. I pray, dear God, that we would, each one of us who are truly born again of the Spirit of God, that we would know your power in our lives. We would know victory over the discouragements and sometimes the setbacks in our life. And, oh God, we would be very, very mindful that you answer our prayers and we don't have to be bashful about it. We can come boldly and come on the authority of the written revelation and the promises that are given. And we know that our prayers will be answered. So hear us now, Lord, encourage every heart. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.